Welcome everyone to another a session of uh, Can This Crack? Um, we'll probably need an op another episode to explain what it actually means, but uh, today we have Nidhi. Nidhi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell me first uh, a little bit about your background um, and then we'll actually start. Okay, uh, so I'm Nidhi Goyal. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist, a mother. <laughs> of twin toddlers uh, and I live in New York City uh, right now uh, isolated with my twin toddlers in an apartment and working on a startup Healmed. Explain a little bit more about this startup. Sure um, so I have worked uh, over a decade as a psychiatrist in acute care and in, in, uh, in long-term care treating severely and persistently mentally ill patients I've had a fancy practice in Chelsea in, uh, in Manhattan. And there's a consistent problem where uh, mental health or illness disease burden is exponentially going up. And uh, on the other end, there is severe shortage of provider uh, where 60% uh, counties in the United States have zero psychiatrists today. And it, this, uh, this is going to worsen further to add this uh, uh, insult to the injury, another 60% psychiatrists are going to retire in the next few years. So all this, what, what does this mean is that patients take at least four to six months to get their appointment. Uh, and in world of mental health, uh, when a person is suffering from severe depression or suicidal thoughts, uh, they need help now. Uh, so essentially they go to emergency room to find some help, which again is a very frustrating experience where uh, they'll wait from hours to days to get some sort of help. And the symptoms today, they escalate into uh, full-blown disease and eventually disability. So humanly, today I feel there is no way we can bridge this chasm of severe shortage of provider and increased need of care. So I came up with this uh, uh, idea to see if digital health can plug in and created a company called Asilmed Solutions, uh, where we have a, a digital app, which is driven by uh, artificial intelligence. It does a comprehensive evaluation of uh, uh, a person, essentially just like what I would do when I meet with my clients first. Whole comprehensive history, uh, your, uh, your chief complaint, history of present illness, uh, social history, your family history, psychiatrical history, history medical history, and then, transcribe all that in the real time into a transcript which a provider on the other end can then see in a very color-coded vision, visual manner to, to determine the diagnosis or the therapeutic plan from there on. So essentially 80% work is automated for providers to prevent, uh, to make them more efficient. And on patients end, it starts their treatment uh, journey in a very, in an immediate manner essentially. So that's the brief synopsis of what I'm doing. Does it, Nidhi, does it, does it, when you say it charts their treatment, I mean, is it, is it something, is it, does it give you full psychiatric breakdown and, and do this? Or, or are there, or when you say treatment, is, is that a wider range of things that it might be able to do? So what my system is, it's a clinical decision support system, CDSS. It's not diagnostic or therapeutics. Uh, so we leave that diagnostic and therapeutic part for the provider with, for which they're trained for and what they enjoy doing. What's happening in today's world is we spent, uh, let's say, 45, 60 minutes to get comprehensive history from a person, right? We need to understand them as a whole person. 
And then we spend another 30, 40 minutes or even an hour typing up that whole history because charting is required. So essentially in two hours, we are seeing one individual person. So in a day we can max see 12, 15, 20 patients. So this system would do the whole history taking in a very sort of a standardized manner that it's very comprehensive. It's not rushed, it's at patient's pace. And also transcribe doing, does the charting part, which a provider would do. So now provider can essentially spend all their time in a very meaningful way to have discussion with the client about A, their diagnosis and what therapeutic thing uh, alliance need to happen rather than just spending last five minutes of their session discussing that. So uh, diagnosis and therapeutics is still on the provider rather than on the system. Does it does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So that, so so what? So so one level, you're you, you're saying that there's a there's a dramatic shortage of of psychiatrists, uh, and and that'll get worse. Uh, and at Correct. the same time, that there, there's a, a fair amount of research showing that that people are struggling more and more with, with mental health and, and, and there's going to be more, more likely that more and more people are going to need psychiatric help. And you're, you're plugging that gap in, in right. For every person, there's two hours of admin and we can reduce this to allow the, the psychiatrists, the fewer and fewer psychiatrists to have more time with the people. Um, so in essence, in essence, you're doing that. Yes. Correct. Exactly. Um, so, so this still doesn't necessarily solve the challenge of if everybody who goes through it has to have psychiatric treatment um, because you're still there's still with a shortage of, of psychiatrists. So does everyone who goes through it need, need psychiatric treatment or are there, is, do other things happen as well? Wonderful question. So we have different products, right? So one is for the healthcare system where a patient takes the assessment and provider has the thing. So the workflow is done. Then we have a product for consumer where a consumer sitting at home, let's say employee at work, right? Uh, burnout is a, a important problem nowadays. Work from home has isolated people. They're now taking care of their kids, virtual schooling. Um, they may open their wine bottle at 12 noon. And by the time the workday is finished, they're already down the bottle and then they're so irritable, they're either yelling at kids, throwing their toys, kicking their cat or whatever they're doing without understanding what's happening to them, to them, right? So they don't know they need help. Everyone around them is miserable, they are miserable, but they don't know that they need help. So if they would take this assessment, it can categorize them based on color coding. We are not labeling anyone with any diagnosis, but it can tell them their risk. Okay, you are in green zone you're okay, or you can do X, Y, Z, or you're in yellow zone, you need some extra steps or be mindful of certain things, be it yoga, meditation, taking a break, taking a break and walking out a few minutes or breathing for two minutes. So those sort of different care plan, or you're in orange or red zone where you need to seek professional help. So that's a consumer product, which a person can identify the need, need to seek help, need to take care of themselves. Uh, I'll give an analogy of, uh, we all know sugar is bad for our health, right? So, but we still give in to our temptations, right? Until unless a provider tells you you are pre-diabetic, your hemoglobin A1C is 5.7. Now you're like suddenly, oh, I can't eat sugar. So that sort of way, if someone tells you or Helmet tells you, hey, you are at the brink of yellow to going to orange, do something now to prevent actually walking into that orange or red zone you are more, the more higher chances for you to actually do something rather than just again, the next day comes where again, you're opening your bottle and the day passes by. 
So that's a consumer product. So it's a kind of an attentive responsibility. So so you, you've you've gone through this. Please please be attend to this. We we we've identified the things you need to attend to before you get worse. Correct. So please take responsibility, and you can do all of that at, at, at a scale that, that you could be helping everybody. You know, a vast number of people get. A, a sort of stay well enough to not need psychiatric help, which is another way that you could impact the fact that you know, the shortage of psychiatrists. Is, is, that, right. is that right? Yeah. Right. So health, health or well-being has different components. I, I, I call. I try to break it down into prevent, different level of prevention. So one is, uh, although there are four primordial, but that's not applicable to us. Uh, primary prevention, secondary, or tertiary. So. The primary is what can we do to prevent getting into that illness zone. Secondary is where we screen in timely manner, where again, if something is just a symptom today, will not become a full-blown symptom disease. And tertiary is again, when the things are so bad that now you need rehab or proper uh, disability uh, help, right? So where at what level, if we do something can we prevent getting to that final level of care or tertiary level where in the United States, 90% of $3.8 trillion Medicare budget goes to people with chronic medical conditions and mental illnesses. So, so much money is draining in just one arena versus if we spent time, money, and, and just focus on that primary level, maybe we can prevent all that, uh, all that extension of disease, full-blown disease. So gonna, that's where my thought process is. And it's very affordable, simple, and accessible mean where someone can be sitting at home, download an app, do the assessment, know in timely manner. Do they actually need to do something? Should they be more aware of themselves, essentially? So I'm going to ask you to make an educated guess here, Nidhi. So, so, so if, say, say, say this, this, people are going through this kind of, um, do you call it triaging or, or whatever you, you would call it to, to whether you need psychiatric or, or professional help. Um, what kind of percentage of people perhaps are we talking about that, that you could prevent going into those tertiary or, or red zones? You know, I, is it 20% of people that, that you'd be able to stop getting there or is it, is it a, a larger number? If you had asked me this question a year ago, my answer probably would have been different. Uh, this COVID pandemic has changed metrics so much. In 2019, we used to say, or WHO metrics, one in five person would suffer from mental illness in any given year, right? So 20%. In, in 20, uh, 2020, by June, US surveys showed 40% people, adults were reporting depression or anxiety. And September was showing 60% of people are reporting depression and anxiety. And this is just a survey population, right? So metrics of uh, higher chances, uh, essentially today with, with unemployment, again, work from home, social isolation, uh, racial tension, our election fiasco, if I may add in. Uh, and, and this, people are dying, relatives are dying and, and people, are, uh, re people are not able to see, say goodbyes. We have dead bodies uh, in, in trucks today. Uh, waiting for it to be cremated and, and the grief, unresolved grief because access to again care or social support is missing. Numbers, essentially I say today, everyone needs it. Everyone needs to understand where they stand today. Uh, are they just internalizing it? Are they becoming numb to it? Or something can be done if they realize that maybe they need, some, they need to do something about their situation today. 
Yeah, I'm, so I'm just going to get my, my head around the numbers here because they're 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 quite dramatic. So and I'm, I'm, see if I've see if I've got it. So based on current research, 3.8 trillion of the U.S. healthcare budget is going uh, is going on on people needing tertiary care, and, and there's a high comorbidity between mental and poor mental and poor physical health. So you can almost regard them as the same cohort. Um, since then, because of COVID, there's a potential that that might increase by three times, from 20% of the population to 60% of the population. So we're now looking at 3.8 trillion, yeah, 12, 12 trillion. Um, at the same time, professional help is reducing. It's already not enough, but it's going to get worse because people are going to retire and nobody is, is taking their place. Um, and if we so, so that you've that there's an absolute necessity for a solution that that prevents or, or doesn't prevent helps a lot of these people to solve their own challenges before they need professional help, and and that's what you're that's the space you're 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 looking at is right. Some people are going to guarantee some of these people will necessarily need professional help, but an awful lot of these people, and when we can identify them quickly and solve a lot of the time pressures that, that the professional community has in relating to this. But we've also got all of these other people who are showing early stages of this that we can also help to prevent them actually getting to that stage where they need professional help. So is that is that and it's a twelve trillion dollar kind of problem? Correct, you're absolutely right. So I will. So we we realized in this pandemic, right, how fragmented our healthcare system is, right? It was so obvious that we didn't have masks, we didn't have proper PPE to care for people with COVID. Mental health pandemic is here. It's right in front of us, and we are absolutely not ready to deal with it. We are we are we are unable and and. We are simply closing our eyes to visit. We don't have resources. We don't have, we're not paying enough attention to what to do. So this tsunami of patients, when emergency room, which is now dealing with COVID patient, will see all these, uh, all these patients come to ER for their mental health need. How will we manage that? What are the answers for that? Last 2019, 40% adults went to ER for their mental health needs. That is 40 million people. 40 million people went to ER for their mental health visits alone to emergency room. And, and currently emergency rooms are again, not even doing elective different surgeries. They're only dealing with either trauma or COVID patients. How are we going to deal with high suicide rate has gone up? Suicide rate has gone up in provi healthcare providers. Uh, psychiatrists used to be high high risk for suicide. Now ER physicians are at high risk of suicide. So this is such a massive problem today, Richard, that it's, it's something needs to be done and something needs to be done now. We are already very late in it. And if we don't pay attention to it, exactly like you, you in dollar amount, you said $12 trillion, I would say more than that, essentially, that we're looking at. So, so this is a level of, of cost that's, that's going to bankrupt America. Or globally, I should say, it's not just America. I mean, yeah, okay, uh, the talk, yeah even worse. Talk, yeah. talk about India. India needs 90,000 psychiatrists. We have only 3,800 psychiatrists. Talk about Japan, 80% increase in suicide rate last year alone, especially in women. And women are sort of marginalized, I shouldn't say, but they're taking care of kids, higher rate of unemployment in women. So uh, 
talk about Canada, talk any country you take at this time, every country is struggling with this tsunami of mental health disease burden and shortage of provider. It's a global so problem. If you look at the, um, the technology, um, it's an assessment tool, right? The way I understand it. So uh, give me some context where you would fit because Richard described how big the problem is. Uh, you're aware of this as well. And you have this assessment tool. Um, but do you also then provide a solution of how to help people? Yes. So, uh, like I said, we have two different uh, uh, programs, right? One is for a specific healthcare industry, uh, where uh, a patient who has to wait four months or six months, so collective population health, if you have so many people in a population who have higher mental health illness and not getting treatment, uh, society pays the price where suicide will go up or violence will go up or domestic abuse, substance abuse, a lot of things will go up. So can we give them this app to take that assessment instead of waiting four months now they can be seen next week because uh, essentially uh, time to provide care is 10 minutes rather than two hours. So each provider should be able to see higher number of patients and patients should begin their treatment engagement journey immediately rather than waiting again two months or four months or six months. So that's the benefit in healthcare industry side. There are many verticals. Uh, in, in the United States, if something happens and 911 is called and cops go there, either they will bring that person to correctional facility or to emergency room again. Can we give them this app to do the assessment and then a triage person detem determines whether a person can should be bring, uh, brought to emergency room or can they follow up on outpatient basis? How much resources we can save there? Then coming to employee benefit and in companies nowadays, if, if, if a general population metrics is 60% adults are suffering from depression or anxiety, uh, there is another statistics where 96% managers said that their team has very high rate of burnout or a stage before burnout, which is fading out. So essentially metrics are there that people are suffering. So if a thousand employees are there, 600 are suffering from depression or anxiety, you can very well imagine performance productivity of that organization. So can we give this to their employee to do take an assessment at home in privacy of their home, either they can do touch-based or voice-based. The difference of my assessment is it's not four choices out of like you choose one or two, how's your sleep? four options, how's your appetite, four options. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue where one question can be answered in 10,000 different ways, right? One question can be answered in so many variables. Then how do you determine what's the next question? That's where our 18 month of time uh, went into designing that intent uh, for that. And we have a, like, I'm very humble that we have applied for IP. We have 86 claims in that sphere. So that's where our energy went the dialogue where answer can be anything and a person has full way of expressing themselves. We are not uh, telling them to type their answer because many people may not be able to express as well in typing their answers. It's free flow, speak what you want to, as much as you want to, and still be able to take a comprehensive uh, assessment in privacy of their own home and then see a care plan based on their individual needs, whether they need help with substance abuse, whether they need help with some sort of trauma, anxiety, again, uh, panic disorder, whatever you call it. Does it 
like answer your question? <laughs> I know I've, I've got, been I've got long two, Well, I've got two follow-on questions. And I, I, the second one is going to be about the, the, the use of AI and tech. But I've got a, the first one I think is, is more immediately pertinent. So you just talked about fade out and, and, and burnout. Um, so for me and, and the research that I do, so, so burnout, in, 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 when, when you're burning out, you've then got the risk of breakdown. So it's a psychological breakdown. And, and blah. But also something that's called escape attempts. And so escape attempts can be anything from uh, the addictive, you know, turn to opioids, turn to drink, turn to porn, uh, whatever it is to give you these, these dopamine hits and things. But it can also be permanent escape attempts, uh, suicide um, or homicide at work or just get rid of the thing that's causing you this stress permanently, um, which is obviously hugely problematic. And, and we, we, I think we see uh, a fair amount of evidence of this going on around the world. I don't really want to talk about that. I want to talk about fade out because you've just said 96% of, of managers are reporting that their team are experiencing fade out. So what is fade out and, and how does your, how can your interventionary technology uh, stop fade out from going into burnout and all these, 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 these dystopian out, outcomes? Right. So, the concept of feeling numb. So there is uh, absenteeism, right, in a company, or and then there is presenteeism, where a person is present but still so numb to what's happening and just on spinal level doing their work. At that level, where something is obviously wrong, that you have made yourself numb to reality around you, and 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 when it comes out, it comes out into like you said, escape mechanism. Whether you're just numbing yourself by drinking, by using drugs, yelling, domestic violence has gone up hugely today and and then how do you uh how do you again when you're so numb how do you know that something needs to be done so a lot of apps have come into market where people with cbt component to it essentially they're chatbots uh where or productivity measurement things or or how do you improve your this but if a if a person is so sort of faded out or numb and asking them to jot their productivity metrics or do this or do that how think about yourself how much how inclination you'll have to actually go and log into that app and document that right that fear of judgment if i don't log i'll be judged if i log i'll be judged so after a week or two it fades out what my app is doing is not saying anything that i'm i'm there to treat you or help like increase your productivity or provide you therapy ther therapy or anything it's simply assessing the need need do you think you may need help do you think something may be happening to you which you are not recognizing because you're so numb or just avoiding to feel it uh, do you think your family may be getting the brunt from you being that numb or faded out essentially or heading towards burnout like you said and then all those consequences yeah. Can we assess that need today? And can we then take some appropriate steps? Be it just, again, like I said, simple things, remembering to drink water, remembering to take a break, get out from your chair, walk out towards sun or outside for a few minutes. Just take that break. Take uh, deep breaths. Essentially, we say, we say breathing is the best thing, right? We all are breathing. Mm -hmm. But how many times do you remember to take two minutes of that just breathing, just deep breathing? So... But if you know your need, like I said, if you know that sugar is bad, but if your doctor tells you that sugar is bad for you, if you don't do something now, you will become diabetic, more likely, higher chances. I'm not saying everyone will do it. 
again, higher chances of you to maybe pay attention to it, or maybe your family will support you or something can be done at that level. Can we do it at individual level or why I'm saying organizational level where if uh, HR department is giving this option to their employees, hey, we have this for you. If you think you need help and you, it's taking you three months to find a therapist or psychiatrist, maybe take an assessment, understand your need today and, and see where it leads you. That's all. It's a very simple, simple concept here. So you're sort of opening up, um, I guess, attentive windows of coping within that numbness. You say, okay, and, and these might or might not work for you, but let, let's let's try and turn them into habits to, to, to instead of the numbness sinking into into burnout, that, that you, you 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 get some some feeling back, you get some humanity, you get a in touch with your emotional self again um so that and you feel in control of your emotional self because I've, I've also heard from a coach that i've worked with um the the when they were trying to do emotional work with with their um with their clients the client only understood one emotion and that was stress every other emotion was it that was overpowered by stress so I, th- I guess you've almost got numbness and stress here as 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 uh, a skiller and cherubitis of, of pain, uh, either either you numb or you become so stressed that you can't cope. Both of them are problematic and you and, can and, deal with that space. And, and the word you use, stress, like so many pe- people will uh, express stress in such different manner, right? Stress for me may be that I feel some acidic tinge in my belly <laughs> and my stomach, right? Stress for some people, maybe that their heart starts to race fast. Stress for some, they sweat out so much. And stress for some people, maybe they just ruminate about something that their boss said or their spouse said or their colleague said, right? So stress is so different in expression for different people. Uh, but it's just one word, stress. <laughs> are you are Either you're feeling it phys- physically or psychologically or you're numb to it. That's the way people are dealing today. Okay, so I, mean, I, I now under, so I understand the, the power of what you're trying to do and the vision. I mean, I, I can I can see it and I can see the uh, the potential difference it can make. So now I'm going to ask the tricky question. Um, so I'm, I'm, and so one of one of the workshops you ran for us, we had this come up. Uh, someone from a, a demographic slightly older than you and me um, so suggested that they would find it very uncomfortable talking to a machine about their their mental well-being. Um, so the problem of artificial intelligence and, and the demographic that says, no, I want to speak to a person. How, how are you dealing with that? And this question comes a lot, right? In the world of psychiatry or psychology, I should say, people are so much into this human contact, human rapport building, affect, and all those concepts, right? So, uh, But my, again, first question is, if it's not available, if therapist or psychiatrist or help is not available, do you rather wait three months to see someone or would you after a month feel, okay, it's better to speak to to an app than not get any help at all, right? So it's a simple math today where again, when these 60% workforce will walk out, what will happen then? It's it's happening now, six months of wait time to, to see a provider, six months of wait time to see a provider. So, so that brings me again back to the thing, even in emergency room, uh, many providers ask, what if patient refuse? I'm like, let them refuse. They can choose to wait for a day, two days and sitting in ER waiting to see a provider versus then they can choose to at least get the process started by talking to an app 
and and we have created it in a very like feminine uh, human like voice it's not human voice but human like voice and we have a lot of uh, sort of encouragement words there uh, it's at their own pace uh, you're doing well can i help you like a lot of words are there uh, in in that manner to to help patient uh, glide through it and if if they feel tired they can pause uh, i'm not saying everyone will like it uh, people don't like to talk to me right sometimes a uh, patient may come to my door and say hey i, I want to go and smoke cigarette first <laughs> it's a real life scenario they may choose to say no to app they may choose to see a provider people have preference to see what kind of provider they want they want a black provider they want a female provider they want a white provider so everyone has so many different choices and they can choose not to speak to it just like the providers yeah the, the so the one thing that i'm interested in is, as well needy is um you've been um running this this tool assessment for for a while what i don't know if you can share this but have you seen particular trends happening um the way people use your solution uh, we are still a quite a, quite a new um company <laughs> in the space i should say uh but certain things uh, and it, it's a silver lining in covid that covid has put some tailwind to us where people are much more open to virtual experience and digital experience uh, and even in elderly population they are very happy to use app or virtual care today because they're afraid to go in providers office essentially uh, with fear of getting uh, contracting covid so it has suddenly opened up a huge vast uh, acceptance for us <laughs> in a manner uh so uh, like i said silver lining in covid uh people are much more open their the fear of judgment is not there people are open about their sexuality their gender identity issues their substance use issues because there is no human on the other side to judge them in the moment so evidence is showing that even in standardized scales that if done in digital app versus done in presence of gp higher accuracy with assessment done in digital app so trends are showing favorably uh evidences showing people are much more open to apps in actual accuracy of uh, assessment and the last thing and again in the world of psychology and psychiatry where rapport building is a thing imagine a patient with the mask and a provider with a mask sitting in a room 6 feet away what sort of rapport can happen so it's much better when they're talking virtually uh, an app is not the end of it all right if if assessment is done in the healthcare segment again there is a video teleconferencing built in where a provider can then have a meaningful conversation based on the history already assessed where if someone is saying i wanted to buy a gun to shoot myself now provider can focus on this aspect of care more in depth rather than just rushing through the interview so i think your app is 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 destroying the plot of house md I don't know if you ever watched that but I mean he he the, the whole premise of house was that everybody lies. So you know when you when you're trying to do the diagnostic uh, he's, he 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 works on the the base assumption that the the patient is so afraid of being judged they're going to lie about everything and then he has his little team of of three people that go out and explore and find out what the lies are about. You're actually saying that that's less likely to happen when you're using a, an artificial intelligence or a tech tool or assistive intelligence whatever you want to call so not only are is is the the initial triage um quicker and it gets rid of all of the the, the pain of doing the admin it's more accurate and 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 so you you can see clear trends in it being more accurate or or people providing stuff earlier 
that that might take a number of sessions for them to talk about in in a in a face to face exactly and in face to face there is so much also concept of transference and counter transference what i may diagnose someone or what my opinion about someone's condition could be entirely different from someone sitting or someone someone of other provider right because there's that individual transference counter transference that plays role but in an app it's much more standardized because it's it's standardized <laughs> uh, so i'm actually hoping uh, we are sort of pioneer in the space that we will have that centralized data we may question how are we plugging all these people every individual is different every individual circumstances is different how are we plugging them in 15 different diagnostic boxes just based on the current trend that we have current wo- world of healthcare we have so i don't have that data today but 5 years down the road once this we have more and more assessments done we may actually yeah. be sitting on it and then analyzing so standardized way of getting information at patient's own pace at patient's own judgment level and all those things will that change the, the and, and could you also talk a little bit more about the um let's say the user behavior the journey in terms of illustration so let's say i i use this app right so how how does this start and what are then the next step how how have you structured this so the app is available on uh, ios and android uh, so it's healmed and people can download it but they can't do anything with it uh, it uh, until unless either their organization gives them a code uh as a, a organization code and a unique id assigned to each person or again if it's in ha- a healthcare facility after registering for an appointment then they release that code it's alphanumeric code and uh, unique like only one in billion so nobody can repeat it it nobody can go back and forth so if you open an app it you can do anything until unless you have that accessibility so it's very secure in that manner and even if you have done the assessment nobody can see that assessment and then unless you provide a credentialed person to look at it so a person has to authorize someone to look at that assessment the transcript uh there is no way for someone to bypass the question there's no way for someone to go back and forth so it avoids all that it's just a dialogue like you and i are talking words are spoken words come out they're recorded <laughs> and the next question will based we have hundreds of thousands of questions in the library so it's not like again this ex- logic flow of this will come a second will come a third will come it's it's a dialogue it's it's uh, and that's the uniqueness of our platform and uh, once assessment done again either the care plan will come if it's a consumer product or if it's a healthcare then they will get to decide your mental status exam and your diagnostic and therapeutics will start from there but how does it decide to let's say start with an opening question how 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 does it decide what what is the next question so intent so when it opens it introduces itself hello my name is healmind i'm here to assess you and then it starts so what what how can i help you right so that's a open ended question where a person may say my spouse yelled at me or my boss yelled at me or i'm feeling depressed not sleeping or whatever it is right and and the flow there is some logic to it but the intent of your answer will determine uh, uh, and having said that we still have built it in a manner where it will it will assess all the categories that we need to so categories meaning your mood your anxiety symptoms even assessing for psychosis or trauma uh, somatization essentially um 
even social media use or um, gambling issues, whatever it is, the whole gamut of it and the personal history of family history, family history, social history, everything. So it that's the beauty of it. And if someone is so disorganized, let's say I asked, uh, 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 how's your appetite? And you answer tree, apple, brinjal, whatever. <laughs> it will still bring you back to uh, the question, a simple binary form, can you please answer this in yes and no. So it's designed keeping that a severely ill person should be able to take it, but a high functioning person can also breeze through it. So it, it, it's a very complex process. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it sounds it sounds very unique to the individual. So so the individual is taking it and it branches off into the various dif different things that that individual needs to talk about as, as it as you go further down the journey. Is that correct? Correct, but still able to bring you back to do the whole thing. What happens in real world, if I'm just talking about suicide, I can spend an hour talking about suicide. And by when the patient leaves, because time is limited, then I'll be, oh, gosh, I forgot to ask about allergies, about medical history, or about this or that, right? So this app will still do the comprehensive eval, still, but giving you opportunity to talk about what you want to. It's a bit. It's a bit like how this interview works. Whereas Oscar keeps us on track and makes sure that we go through all the stages we're supposed to. And I wander off in all kinds of directions and give you questions you're not prepared for. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then and, and at the end, at the, at the end, you, basically, you get a, a sort of very comprehensive kind of uh, report that uh, a professional can use. And it's up to him or her to to have this interpretation of okay, what's the what what's next? Yes. So if if again, if you're talking about the professional, they will they will have two ways to look at it. One is their dashboard where all the symptoms will be clubbed in color coded manner. No abnormal finding, abnormal finding, critical finding, alarming finding. And then a comprehensive verbatim report. Again, it's verbatim. Uh, what happens sometimes in a private uh, medical practitioner, a patient may go and say, Hey doc, I was uh, I haven't slept in two weeks and I was thinking of, again, buying a gun to kill myself. Now this doctor who's, who's, who knows to how to treat blood pressure or diabetes will be stuck. What should I do next? So they end up calling 911. And when a person goes to the ER, they're like, I never said that. <laughs> uh, and this doctor is accursed and this patient is like, because they're frustrated sitting there for hours, they, they have to go back home. So because this history is verbatim in patient's own words, so it a, that medical legal liability is cut down. And we have a consistent report what patients said in a primary care office and what patient is presenting to ER. Now, if it's a consumer product, that history, that verbatim report is available in cloud, but it's not accessible to patient until unless patient authorizes or person authorizes it to, to send it to the designated provider. Uh, what a consumer will see on their end is their care plan. We are not labeling anyone. We are not saying you are unipolar depressed or bipolar de uh, depression or mania, no labeling here, just the care plan. We saw some risk, we didn't see any risk, we saw critical risk, okay, if you do need to see a professional now, uh, rather than again, just labeling a person with diagnosis and then leaving them with enlarged what to do next because that appointment will still take three months. <laughs> that, that's the idea. So, I mean, I, I so so at a societal level, I can really see what you're you're trying to do here. So, the the, the socioeconomics of this are, are huge, um, and, and and you can really see what the impact would be. And and also at a professional level, you know that that, that 
the psychiatrists are, are, are going to be significantly helped by this. But but what the other thing you've talked about is is you know organisations buying this or using this. So what about the organisational level? Now I have my own ideas around this, but but what kind of discussions are you having with organisations as to why they should they should get involved with this kind of, of product and this kind of way of evaluating health? Right. So in today's world, the metrics, I mean, of course, the United States has metrics for everything. Most expensive benefit organization has to pay for their employees, their healthcare insurance premium. And that healthcare insurance premium is more expensive than even paid leave for an employee. And it, that metrics or the premium change, changes year by year based on how many employees used sick days, access to healthcare. And if a, if a uh, employee is burned out, they have higher chances or stressed even, they have higher chances of uh, going to emergency room for medical issues, 23% uh, more chance to access healthcare system and calling sick days and, and even leaving the job, right? So all these metrics, which again, go back to organizations where either they're paying higher premium or higher attrition rate, which essentially means brain drain, training drain, and higher cost of rehiring someone else at the cost of by the time you recruit someone, your remaining task force is burdened, overburdened, and subjected to again, higher chances of burnout. So this whole vicious cycle that plays versus how much dollar amount organizations uh, assign towards wellness program, if I, I may, uh, or again, giving some sort of mental health help is drastically different. So three to $6 are assigned per month for wellness programs were as compared to $300 or more for premium, a monthly insurance premium. So can we talk to organizations, hey, if you spend instead $30 per month on wellness, and then you have to essentially will be paying $250 eventually on premium if your employees are well. So, and, and, and if surveys, gender population are showing 60% adults are reporting either depression and anxiety, that means if you have a thousand employees, 600 are potentially having some sort of issues right now. So all these metrics, that's how we start the conversation. And, and that's what we are trying to tell them. See price you are paying upfront or the cost you will bleed, like how you're bleeding essentially. Does that make sense? So a lot of awareness is happening. People are understanding uh, organizations where it was taboo to talk about uh, peers' personal life. Now organizations are sort of saying, okay, please check on your pair, ask them how's their family life, what's happening in life. So things are shifting, but it's a slow process. The awareness, of course, is required uh, rather than, again, just answerable to your final number of the organization that we need to make. This is our revenue. This is our profit margin. This is this and this is this. And asking your uh, one more metric, Richard, that I like to talk about. The, the, and when we talk about stress in employees, there are different reasons why employees are stressed. Is it their workforce, uh, work, like is their family life, personal life or workload? And workload is considered as the highest cause of stress. Each employee can effectively do a certain amount of work and have a quality of life work balance. But if employees are asked to do a higher amount of workload just to meet those targets for the organization, higher chances of them becoming burned out or 
leave the thing, right? So can organization think about this number and bring it down here where employees can effectively manage their workload or hire more people to do that is the question that they need to pay attention to. And where our product comes is again at the need, like I mentioned, if your employees are doing X, Y, Z, they're drinking more or taking it out on their families, that means something needs to be done. Can we assess that need now and something uh, a plan, care plan essentially happens at earlier stage rather than when thing has already, already like you said, the, the worst part of it, either they leave their job or commit suicide or uh, you're waiting for class action lawsuit if something happens at workplace, uh, violence or whatnot. So, oh. so, so it's I, again I, very complex. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I see why that, that, that would attract organizations, but I, I'm also interested if you ever get into this, the stuff that Oster and I are sort of uh, uh, focusing on, which is the cognitive capacity to do good work. Um, you know, that, that, that you know, we, we know that, that complex problem solving and critical thinking and creativity and, and cognitive flexibility and, and active learning, all of these kind of things are necessary to do the quality complex project work. And, and that's what the vast majority of knowledge workers are having to do. Um, is anyone interested in conversations around that? Because obviously, if you're struggling with your, your, your health, both mentally and, and physically, you're, you, you can't do that work. So is anyone interested in, in, in your experience in talking about that part? Because it's it's a lot more oblique and, and it, you can't do linear, okay, this equals that. But is that a conversation that you're having? We, we are attempting to. And, and uh, thankfully, again, COVID and all these things that every individual, be it the C-level suite member or owner of the company or HR department, because everyone is human being and they all are going through the stress of COVID, which has made them more aware of uh, mental health issues and, uh, and suffering essentially. So people are a bit more open uh, to having discussions at least. Now what they would do with that information, I don't know yet, but uh, at least they're, uh, they're open to uh, having these discussions and certain decisions are made on different level again, uh, the labeling effect is there. People are afraid if all, all our employees again would find out that they have depression or anxiety or they'll become more aware of this. So, so that fear is there, of course, uh, that they will uh, become liable that your organization has made us this way or whatnot. So fear is there, which is, of course, but uh, I think dialogue, communication, conversation, awareness. Um, I'm hoping change would come eventually or at least uh, baby steps, I should say. <laughs> Um, so the door is opened to these kind of conversations, but it's only a crack at the moment. You want to, you, you think it should be pushed wider open. I mean, I'm, and and I, I fully agree. I mean, I, I think we, we're struggling to deal with the non, with the complexity of of that kind of of performance. We we we, we see everything in linear terms. So I, I absolutely understand why you're coming in at the. The, the monetary linear kind of level. I just would love to hear that and any story you have in the future around, oh, wow, I just had this conversation where they were talking about the cognitive performance and, and that kind of stuff. That would be wonderful because I'd like to see that door swing open. Well, let's see if I get some experience I'll share with you. <laughs> so where, where do you see uh, uh, Richard already kind of... Um touched on this subject a little bit. So if you look forward, right, or let's say the next 20, 30 years, 
um, it seems that you know it's a timely launch of, of, of your um, solution. What 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 do you see happening over under the next two three decades? Uh, my dream is mass adoption and mass awareness of mental health. Uh, it has been on the back stove for a long, long, long time. Um, mental health parity law came into force very recently. Uh, again, back to India, their first mental health policy was written in 2014. Uh, so it's, it's still an infancy stage. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really, I mean, especially with EQ Lab and you guys doing work in this and having intellectual conversation internationally makes me happy to know that people are, they have started talking about it. They're trying to spread information. They're trying to make some meaningful change. Uh, and in two, three decades, of course, mass adoption of this awareness and, and, and essentially schools. So education system, if we start early, where, where I said a metric of 18 million kids in the United States, didn't, which is 80% of children did not have mental health care access. If we can do something at that level, early intervention, uh, I think we can have much better society as a whole because mental illnesses do not just affect individual. It affects their family. It affects their neighborhood. It affects the community and the society at large. Uh, if someone picks up a gun, uh, they are 45 or 15, whatever you call and go for mass shooting, whole community suffers. So again, timely intervention, adoption, awareness, these things are important. We need to be talking about it. Avoidance and denial has been there forever and it simply cannot work. We are paying price now. So you, you talked in the workshops we did about something called health equity. Uh, and that seems to interact with just what you've been talking about. Can you can you explain what health equity is and and, and why it's important? So health equity in the whole again population or community it's a concept where it's not just individuals inner resources or resources around them. It's a community resources, timely access to care, uh, intervention in timely manner, disease burden in the population, uh, death rate, and and the whole community resources that are available in, in a, again, in a timely manner is important uh, because like I just gave an example of uh, this health equity, uh, this indi one individual can cause a mass destruction. And if we collectively focus into a population health or invest in, because we talk about all these organization level equity and stocks and whatnot in, in, in this uh, health well-being of not just individuals, the community as a whole, because societies have become so individualistic. And, and unfortunately, even in developing countries where so that joint family concept or concept of neighborhood and village was there, they're also moving towards this individualistic society because of globalization, which is very, very unfortunate. And I think that shift needs to happen again back to community concept. So if we invest more in this community at population health concept, I think we'll have much cheaper way, cheaper way of dealing with all these things where we are dealing at tertiary level prevention of care. Does it make sense? It's like the uh, left Intellectually, so so the way the way that I'm perceiving it is is if you invest in the community, so you 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 create a healthy community, 
And then out of that community come a whole bunch of people capable of doing high, flourishing and doing highly positive work and the cognitive capacity stuff that we were talking about to, to contribute to, to, yeah. to society at a wider level. If you, if you don't focus on the community, if you're just focusing on individuals, you're stuck then in, in more of this, this tertiary level, fix them once they're ill. But also if you fail to, 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 to notice them, all kinds of horror can can happen so 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 look at it in a, in a wider communal sense as, as correct and community is essentially still paying the price already because uh, tertiary level of care the tax dollar amount is going towards the individual can we allocate that tax tax dollar amount to community as a preventive measure a primary prevention to again investing in the equity of that health to improve health rather than treating the illness that's the difference we always try to finish these with a nine trillion dollar question because Oscar and I believe that 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 that, that um, poor organisational and societal practices are costing organisations in the OECD about nine trillion dollars uh, sort of annually. Uh, you've uh, you've just upped this to a twelve trillion dollar question. Um, so our twelve trillion dollar question here is: yeah, your 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 method of of, of helping people becomes commonplace, it spreads throughout the world. Everybody gets this kind of assistive intelligence help around uh, their, their well-being. Um, what does the world then look like? <laughs> like, a, like they say, stitch in time saves nine, right? It's a nine trillion dollar question. Mm. Well, uh, stitch in time will save 12 trillion dollars. Mm. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. Again, better world, better times, uh, timely health, I think. Uh, I, I call my company, and it's a company, it's an organization for impact. It's a mission-based company. Dollar is not the end mark for me. Mass adoption is. Um, I, I, I want people to get help if they need. I want people to be aware that mental health is important well-being concept of well-being which is which was static of low distress or no distress should be dynamic uh, empowering individuals empowering communities with resources where if a challenge comes to them can they adapt to it in a meaningful manner rather than breaking down or chaos happens because chaos or things challenges will be thrown both at individual and community level we are experiencing it right now uh, what can we do collectively uh, to change it so <laughs> that's my vision again have getting help to people who need it in in timely manner is my vision my mission here do you believe that that's what you have are developing right now can then also bring communities together because this is a sort of individual app right it's a one to an ai but do you believe that this may be open, open door to, to other people actually talking more about this? Yes, um, we are trying to launch it in India in education system in schools where students high school, like uh, the, the statistics today is one student commits suicide every hour in India. It's 32 crore students at risk. So, uh, rather than just, again, making it a stat that another person died, can we start? this as a collective screening for all students and catch it in timely manner and save one life one life at a time so once we start using it awareness will happen collectively again 
families will be more open to hearing feedback because it's done in a standardized manner rather than when a teacher says your child is naughty your child is not paying attention or your child is misbehaving it's not a behavior thing something must be happening with the child that it's changing so they'll be more open to understand it and get some help in timely manner so my hope is once a collective Again, when people start using something, when people start identifying the need of doing something, they may be more open to having a dialogue rather than considering like in Southeast Asian culture where mental, talking about mental issues is a sign of weakness where we're seeking help. They don't even know how to seek help, when to seek help and why to seek help. So there are so many questions in this world of mental health that uh, maybe I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> that I'm fantasizing such a big issue here. I can tackle my own. I can probably, and I'm seeking help from people like you who are who also pay attention to it. Spreading the word is it's, I'm hoping people will start talking about it without feeling ashamed essentially or embarrassed. <laughs> On that uh, hopeful note, uh, Nidhi, um, I think, yeah, you should have big ideas, right? And, 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 think and, and dream very big um i really applaud you for for this initiative um and uh, also like to thank you for your time and uh, richard as well thanks a lot thank you for hearing me out and giving me a platform to speak about my platform